The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Ringer Gambling Show, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back, and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like 3-Minute Markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100Gambler. Visit rg-help.com. What is going on? Just an unreal day at the World Cup, an unreal day of soccer. We're coming to you on a Thursday as a couple of giants go down, including uh, the German giants who now back-to-back group stages go out. It, it was a foregone conclusion for decades that the Germans would go to the group stage. And now back-to-back World Cups where they're out. Them and their four World Cup trophies, gone. Belgium and their number two FIFA ranking, gone. Plus, you've got Denmark, who is maybe everybody's dark horse again after their Euro performance. They're gone. Uh, I just, I don't know what else you could ask for. We talked about it in the first episode, I think, like not to compare this to March Madness, but today was kind of as March madness I think, as as the World Cup could ever get. So let me bring in my co-host, as always, the great Paul Carr from True Media. Paul, I know you had a German future, which I was more, I guess, <laughs> optimistic about it last time than you were. Seems that it's completely dead now. Uh, yeah. Was was the German result and them going out, was that the biggest shock to you so far? I mean, we've had the Saudi Arabia win over Argentina. We've had, obviously, as I mentioned, the Belgium and Denmark going out. But Germany, I mean... Them not making it out of the group stage, two straight World Cups, I, I kind of feel like that has to be it, right? To me, it was. I mean, I had low Belgium expectations, so Same. them not getting out, uh, I mean, look, it was still an upset, but I had a good future on them not getting out of the group. It wasn't a surprise. It was kind of the, I think it was a storyline that gained a lot of steam close to the tournament, and it just played out exactly as everyone kind of thought. The team was older, they weren't gelling, and they were in a, you know, a decent group, and that's how it worked. Uh, yeah, Germany, I mean, yeah, because, I mean, Costa Rica was thought to be maybe the worst team of the tournament. You know, they proved, I guess not, because they beat Japan, who won the group, which is weird. Uh, but, you know, I, it's kind of, I guess, the consequence, you know, you're in a group that has Spain, and you're in a group where you have a, a solid mid-major in Japan. So, but, but yeah, Germany going out to me is the bigger surprise, even though Belgium was probably a heavier favorite to get through. Yeah, I thought Japan, I said it last time, I thought they were dead. I was like, I think they missed their opportunity. I think that yep. was it. And now me as someone who's been high on Spain throughout the tournament uh, has, I, I'm second guessing myself here going, if you, that, that was kind of like a, a must result game for them and they lose straight up to Japan. They lose the group. Now, I think that might actually be better for them in the long run, but it's not the way you want to enter knockout, the knockout stages, basically dropping a result and getting lucky uh, in the other in the other game in your group. Um, I want to ask you this before we're going to get into the U.S. We'll get into obviously the the Iran win, um, which was fantastic. We'll preview the Netherlands matchup. 
Um, and we'll give our best bets as always. We're also going to give like a couple of, we're going to look at the title odds and see if there's any sort of value there as well as we had to, to knock out stays the round of 16, which, um, and, and actually a good note here is there is a, a pretty big difference in how we bet the group mm-hmm. stage versus the knockout stage. Paul's going to walk us through that too. So you don't want to miss that. It's going to be awesome. But before we get into any of that, I was just like writing names down being like, if I had to throw a hundred bucks on somebody right now, like who would it be? And Paul, I, I don't even if, like all even money. I'm, I'm just saying like a team that you'd like. Yeah. I think all of the favorites, I think you could make an argument that there's like a pretty glaring flaw to pretty much every single one of them. I'll go Brazil, Neymar, his status is out. Like, do I think that they're still probably the most talented team? Yes. But I do think they lacked a lot of creativity without him. Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Argentina, they seem to have rebounded from the loss to Saudi Arabia, but there's still kind of that thing in the back of my mind going like, is the, they seem like the, the team that trips themselves up and they just kind of fall short of expectations. Do I trust them? I don't know. France um, was a little bit down on them coming into the tournament. Two pretty great wins to start, and then they lose to Tunisia. Now, I know they they sat a lot of stars in that game, so... Right. I, you know, I don't know what exactly to make of that, but it is a loss heading into uh, the knockout round. England, the Gareth Southgate thing is always hanging over their heads. Like, can, can you actually trust, you know, the right. way that he manages this team? Spain, my my favorite, you know, basically it's what the hell happened after the 7-0 win. They look like world beaters, and then now they look, I, I don't even know if I'd put a dollar on them the rest of the tournament. Uh, and then Portugal, we'll see them Friday. I, you know, I was a little down on them coming into the tournament. They look good, but they still have a lot of question marks. I don't even know if they're playing their best players. So if I'd ask you right now, what team you were the most confident, not even putting betting aside, what would mm-hmm. your answer be, Paul? Argentina, without any hesitation. I think I know their results weren't necessarily great. Obviously, they lost to Saudi Arabia, but all their numbers look good. I mean, they outshot opponents. Uh, where is it here? 43 to 11 in three games. And you want to look at expected goals. They had the third most expected goals, the second fewest expected goals so far in the group stage. And Brazil's the only one better, and they haven't played the third game yet. So I think they're fine. Uh you know, they, it took a while to get going against Mexico and Saudi Arabia got a little bit lucky, you know, a couple long shots mm-hmm. went in, played well, but you know, those shots aren't going in most of the time. So I'm still pretty confident in Argentina. Plus their quadrant of the bracket, they get Australia in the round of 16, which should be as much of a walk as is possible in that round. And then you get Netherlands who's, you know, maybe the weakest seeded team that's gotten through or the U S in the next hey, round. I was going to say, so. don't kind of suck just yet. We, that's right. You never know. I do sneaky, sneaky. I'm sneaky confident. We'll get to that in a couple of minutes. Um, but, uh, but I, I, you know, I, I, I think you're probably right. You know, it does seem like we're leading to a Brazil, Argentina semifinal, which oh, would boy. be, which would just be oh, absolutely fantastic. And, Man, I, I, it's hard to disagree with you. I would say I'm a little bit more optimistic, I think, than on France than I was, like yeah. the defending champions. I just think there is like that curse of the defending champs or it's just hard to repeat. Um, obviously, we talked about coming into the tournament, them missing their duo midfield of, of Conte and Pogba, who, you know, they're still talented, but th- those are two big names to be missing. Uh, so I, I I don't know that I would say France. Uh, if I, You know, I, I like your Argentina pick, though. I think Argentina's there. And I, I just want I want to hear more about Neymar before I before I, yeah. you know, before I stamp out Brazil, basically. I would put France on number two on my list with the asterisk that I want to see Brazil play again. Um, I think France still has the ceiling, obviously. I don't think Poland's that threatening as no, far as yeah. most teams say, go in the round of 16. Poland so, might be the, the worst team remaining in the tournament. Maybe, I, I don't yeah. think they're that great. Uh, shout out to the Australians who have kind of knocked week in and week out, but they somehow get through, even though I've had multiple Australians on Twitter hit me up and be like, dude, we thought our team was terrible too. So it's not like you were wrong. <laughs> you just got through. Um, right. So congrats yeah. to them. Australia is has not been, like all their numbers, underlying numbers are not good. They have less than two expected goals for three games. It's about 0.6 expected goals per game. Uh, I mean, look, they're 
doing what they want to do well. That doesn't necessarily mean they're good, but this is a soccer tournament and three games, things happen. Something could happen against Argentina. They could get through again. Doesn't mean they're good yet, but I, yeah, so I like Argentina a lot and they got a beautiful matchup in the round of 16. If I gave you England, Spain, and Portugal and you had to pick one, who would you take? Oh man, um, probably Spain, even though they might have the toughest round of 16 matchup of those three, but I just, I feel like they're still okay. You know, there's some sorting out to do. The question has always been, how do all these pieces fit together in the attacking half, especially, but I think the pieces are there and they'll figure it out to some extent. So that's not super confident, but of those three, from what I've seen so far, I'd probably go with Spain. I think because I'm like a little bit take tied with them, I would probably agree with you. I think they are the ultimate front running team, though. You know, when things are going great, right? You know, they're they're. I don't want to. You know, obviously the Warriors won titles, and like Steph Curry is one of the greatest players of all time. But like they have like a little bit of a Warriors vibe to me, where like when when shots are going in, like man, they're going to score five, six, seven goals. But when when their back is kind of to the wall and they need a goal, like do they have the the go to kind of guy? Do they have right. the, the kind of the fortitude to to get it done? I think you saw it today where. You know, they, they, they did need a goal against Japan to just seal their fate. They didn't have to rely on the other game and they could not get it. I'm really curious about how they approached it. Like, did they know? Were they OK with it? Because, yeah, they were a goal away from going out for a while. Um, the last you know, 15, 20 minutes, if they had scored to tie it, Japan would have gone out. Mm-hmm. I don't think I give Spain enough credit to the point of saying they didn't score in order to get rid of Germany instead of Japan. But I do wonder how much they knew and how that affected their strategy in the second half. Yeah, I I, I think I'd agree with you because again, I, I still have my questions about Portugal and I, I'm just not going to pick England. So I, I think I would go with Spain because their ceiling, I just think is higher than all those other teams. That midfield is fantastic. Now defensively, I, you know, who knows? Whenever if you cha- They can be had defensively. They can be, yep. you know, if you really want to challenge them, they're not that strong back there. I mean, they're playing like midfielders at center half. Um, and they don't really have a striker. Although Alvaro Morata has been better than I think a lot of us would expect. He's got two goals so far. He's the closest thing to a pure striker. I mean, he is, he's the pure striker they have. He's the Fernando Torres of this team, I guess. Um, yes, this Spain team would rather be 3-2 than 1-0, like Spain teams of the previous decade. So it makes it fun to watch, but will they be able to you know, shut it down when they need to or get a goal when they need to? Those are the big questions. Yeah, that's going to be a really, really fun game with Morocco, who... Uh, I did have Morocco coming out of that group. I'm pretty excited to, to take the W on that one. Yeah. Uh, I think both of us were were off of Belgium and, and cashed that ticket for them not to advance in the group. Really quickly on Belgium, I mean, you know, Roberto Martinez, the vibes around the team from Kevin De Bruyne. I mean, this is the number two ranked team in the FIFA World Rankings. I don't think anyone really thought they were the number two team in the world, though, coming into no. this tournament. Uh, they just, you know, the, the, we have to spend a second on the Lukaku misses today. I, that, I feel, I mean, I, I genuinely feel bad for the guy. Yeah, I mean, he, I this, is, this is the guy who, you know, I'm, as if people don't know, I am an Everton supporter, loved him there, left pretty, pretty terribly. And there's a lot of bad blood, I think, from Everton fans and him. Those are really his last great days, though. You know, he goes to Manchester mm-hmm. United. It's a complete disaster under Jose Mourinho. Gosh, um, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, That's it, how bad it, it, went. It, it felt like decades ago. And then he yeah. goes to Inter, has one good year at Inter under, under Antonio Conte, which I think is kind of like more system than anything. He was probably motivated. Chelsea splashed 100 million plus on him to bring him back home. <laughs> and he's out on loan in another year. I mean, less than that. I mean, they basically kicked him off the team at the midway point of last season. So I, I that was as uncomfortable. And then he obviously after, after like the four missed chances that he had, um, you know, he's sobbing. Terry Henry is, is consoling him after the game. That was about as tough of a moment as I've seen in sports in a while. Yeah, my heart went out for him. As even as somebody who had again Belgium going out in the group and Croatia tickets, just and for him of all people, because he, I feel like he's gotten so much flack undeservedly over the last five ten years 
because of you know some situations where maybe he didn't play well. Some situations I don't think yeah. it was his fault at all. Transfer uh, fees, yeah, yeah. He yep. just he's just become this lightning rod for criticism unnecessarily. I think, and this obviously won't help the matter. But may, you could just tell how much it meant to him. You know, he's he's not this mm-hmm. robot. These are humans, and that was just a tough moment emotionally to watch. I think a lot of a lot of people who are kind of like new to the sport as well, like you know, they're like, hey, just throw your best players out there. It doesn't matter. Like f- form matters so much in this sport, and mm-hmm. I, it matters in other sports, obviously. But like, and he's just clearly out of form. He's not playing at Inter. He just he he hasn't been his best self in really two years. Right. Um, and to just throw him in the match, like yeah, all right, he was in positions to score, but. You just can tell he wasn't sharp enough. He just wasn't sharp enough. And, um, you know, some of that is like they just needed him. They needed a body. They needed a striker to kind of be on the end of things. And they just didn't. He just wasn't up to, to you know, his finishing abilities. And it is sad. And and they're going home. And it does seem like that's kind of the end of like, what is this this Belgium golden generation that everybody was excited about? So, yeah. All right, let's move on here. Let's do the uh, let's go move on to the U.S. Iran game, uh, a game that, you know, you and I were pretty skeptical. I don't know that we are super confident about the U.S. going into this one. Um, you had a you had an Iran advancing through the group ticket that that did not cash. I'm sure you're not super unhappy about that. With happy the US to tear that on. Up. Yeah, Very we'll happy. tear that one right up and, and move on. Um, a lot of things to get to first and foremost. What I, I want to ask you, there, there were a couple Greg Berhalter uh, decisions that were massive. I mean, he brings in Cameron Carter-Vickers for Walker yeah. Zimmerman, which... Ooh is a is a roll of the dice in a lot of ways. I yeah. mean, the guy hasn't really played for the team in, in qualifying or anything. And I know he, he he plays for Celtic and he's played in Champions League games. He's played in big matches, but this is a whole different sort of... I understood the thinking because you're like, okay, right. he's an athletic guy. They're going to hit you on the counter. Like, you want somebody who's a little bit more mobile than Walker Zimmerman. But an incredible roll of the dice that, that did work out for Burhalter. Yeah, I mean, he and Reem had never played together for the U.S. And yeah, he had played in two Nations League games against a couple minnows, and that was the only competitive games he'd played for the U.S. Uh, yeah, I, I understood the logic, you know, saying he plays for Celtic, where, you know, you're offering count, often encountering teams who are bunkering in similar ways to what Iran's going to do, and then you have to defend on the counter, like you said. So I get the logic, but man, that is a roll of the dice, and it, it worked, though. I mean, he was good. You know, he made several big plays, uh, wasn't afraid to get physical with the Iran attackers when necessary. So yeah, hats off to... Cameron Carter Vickers and Burhalter for having the guts to pull that one off. He's a tank out there too, man. Like just physically, he is. It's a, he's an impressive looking dude. He's not, um, yeah, he's not, you know, he's not six, four or something. You know, I don't think he's much more than six foot, but yeah, just, you can't move him off the ball. Very brick easily. House. Yeah, yeah. Brick house. This is a, another sort of like talking point at the end of the game that I think is interesting to debate. And I'm kind of on one side of this. I'm interested to see where you are. And we haven't talked about this is there seems to be a lot of disagreement over like, Oh, like they got the result. So all is good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I for me, I feel like that second half was similar to the Wales second half. We just didn't give up the penalty goal. Like there was a there was a lot of yeah. like you know crazy defending, last ditch stuff. I'm mean, obviously there was the near penalty from Cam and Carter Vickers, which wasn't a penalty at all. Nope. Um, and would have been brutal if it was given. But still, like nervy moments. You've got Shaq Moore passing it directly to the other team, like what felt yeah. like a half a really? dozen times. Haji Wright, I don't know what you're doing there. Taking you, there, I said this on Bill's pod. Like you could have done a hundred different things. That was the single worst thing to do is hit a slow dribble or to the goalie to immediately get hit on the counterattack. Like blast that thing 20 rows deep, take it to the yes. corner, do something else. Not that. So, you know, I, yeah, the subs, yes, those two subs, not so good. So, so ha- I'll say happy we got a win, but I, I don't know how convincing again it was at the end. It kind of felt like Wales 2.0, just a different result. A little bit. Yeah. I mean, I, Kind of feel, uh, let's see, the subs were not good. These did not work out well. Somebody, something better, probably put Ferreira up top and hold up a little more. Something different would have worked out, could have worked out better there. Um, 
the result's the result, though, you know, and that's kind of <laughs> what the second half of a third group game, when you have to get a win or whatever you have to get, that's what it's going to look like. Um, and I credit them for being organized. I mean, look at Germany today. They gave up two goals to Costa Rica in when Costa Rica was kind of in scramble mode and Germany wasn't organized enough to defend it. So there's definitely some element of luck because there always is in these small tournaments. But I, I think the U.S. deserves a lot of credit for just having being organized, you know, they went to five backs. So you got to adjust to, you know, where your center backs, especially are playing uh, when you do that instead of four toward the end. And, you know, Iran had chances, didn't really have a ton of really good ones. I mean, every time a cross goes in, you're holding your breath and uh, saying Hail Marys or something, but the U S defense looked pretty good. And the team's really been organized the whole time. So I think they deserve a lot of credit. Uh, it's not pretty, but it's been effective. And sometimes that's what you need in a tournament. No open play goals from yeah. you know the entire group stage, which I just, you know, I don't think you would have probably called heading into this. Uh obviously they gave up the one penalty kick goal to Bale in the first game against Wales, but uh the back line's good and Zimmerman really did sort of like redeem himself with like, yep. I mean, he was just an absolute monster aerially I mean, at the end. That is the perfect spot for him. Because mm-hmm. you're not worried about recovery speed, because there's nothing to recover from. To oversimplify it, all you have to do is stand there in the box and be tall and head the ball out, <laughs> yep. which he's really good at. So that was just per- and you know, he's very vocal. You could see him pointing and communicating yeah. and keeping everybody organized. So that's the perfect spot for him to come into a game. And it's uh, the good news is that a perfectly worked goal, by the way. McKenney, beautiful ball to Des, nice. who heads it through. Des makes the perfect decision, and then obviously Pulisic puts it away. Injured in the process. Good news for everybody is, well, Pulisic did update everyone, say that he did not get hit in the nuts. It was not a nut <laughs> shot, I guess. It was an abdomen injury. I don't know if I believe him or not. Um, either way, he seems like he'll play, so that's good. Um, not, that, and I, not that I thought that we could have, you know, that we'd be okay without him, but it is because I, I think we would be. I think you could put Aaron's in there, and I still feel pretty good about how we would play. Um, but it is good to have, obviously, Captain America, the guy who's scoring your goals. He's he's been the guy that's contributed to both goals essentially with an assist and a goal. Um, you want that guy obviously out there. So he'll be there uh, for the game against the Netherlands. Before we get to that matchup, though, I want to ask you this: before we as we sort of like wrap up like big picture U.S. men's national team stuff, um, is this a success for the U.S. getting out of the group, just advancing to the knockout stage? Like, does anything? Do they need anything from this Netherlands game, Paul? Uh, to me, no. I mean, unless you just get completely outclassed and lose by four or something. But to me, they have precisely met expectations. Like, this tournament is a success. You get into the knockout round, and weird things happen in knockout rounds. You're going to be playing a team that is better than you. We can discuss how much better, because I'm not sure they're... Uh, I don't think they're better than England, for example. But so you got a good draw. But yeah, you get in the knockout round, and it's... You know, the dice are getting rolled a whole lot more. So to me, it's a success. Uh, you got out of a group that those are the expectations. It's, it's a very, to me, it's a very clear line between success and not at the World Cup. And even though weird things can contribute to that, uh, I call this a success for the U.S. Totally agree. As someone who has been, you know, I think fairly critical of Greg Berhalter. And I say like, not fairly as like a lot as in like, I think I had some fair criticism of him. I'm mm-hmm. not like a, just a, a blind hater because I, you know, I, I think there are a lot of people out there that are blind haters of his, but at the end of the day, like as you mentioned, like results matter. That's all that matters. He got right. us out of the group, and you know you could say how pretty it was or how how great it was at the end of the you know a couple of the games, but it doesn't matter because the results are the results. Um, I, I think you, I think you just, I, I agree. Bare minimum was getting out of the group. They absolutely should have. They were the favorites to get out of the group. Um, and from here, I, I almost kind of like them more now because there isn't really a ton of pressure on them. Mm-hmm. They're not expected to beat the Netherlands. The Netherlands are a better team. Uh, and I don't know that the Netherlands are in great form. I think I think coming into the tournament, people are like, hey, this is a sneaky, like, dark horse team. Are the Netherlands back? Like, one of the big boys of, of European football. But 
I don't know that they're that team. I don't know that they have a proven goal score. I know Cat- Cody Gakpo has been a, kind of a breakout star, but right. I don't. I don't know. I, I I don't. I'm not as. Fr- maybe, who knows? Maybe we will lose three 0 and I'm and we're replaying this back, being yeah, like you guys are idiots. But, but I I really am not that afraid of this game, and it's it's great to go into a game not having the pressure that we did in like the Wales game or certainly the Iran game. Yeah, I mean from a from a fan perspective, I will be very loose watching the Netherlands game for the U.S. You know, and the group games, I was pretty much you know huddled in my chair with my hand half over my face because I was scared, nervous, whatever it was. This is like a free roll, though. Yep. You're, you're not expected to win. You have a decent shot to win. And so, yeah, as long as they don't get completely embarrassed, that's fine. And the Dutch haven't been impressive. You know, Ecuador really took it to them. Gave up two shots to Netherlands in the whole game. Uh, so if Memphis Depay is... Well, he played a whole half, played 60-some-odd minutes in the third group game and had five shots. So he is their goal scorer if he's healthy. And so that's a little bit concerning if you're the U.S. But yeah, other than that, I mean, they're going to press you more than any team you've faced has. You know, They're going to press you out of the back in the midfield a little bit more. So the U.S. is going to have to figure out how to handle that. But yeah, their attack, Dutch attack hasn't been great, even though they've got, what, five goals. I think their expected goals are about two and a half. So mm-hmm. they're running hot in that regard. Um, it's, a, it's as good a matchup as you can reasonably hope for if you're a group runner-up and getting into the knockout stage. Both teams, the U.S. and the Netherlands, undefeated in the group stage. Uh, the Netherlands on an 18-match unbeaten run, but it does—it just doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like they're you know that caliber of team that is like invincible. Yeah. Um, the a little sneaky note here, maybe for our potential bets, is the under has the under two and a half has hit in all six of the so all the U.S. games and all the Dutch games. The under two and a half has hit. Um, so we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, and I, you know, I think I think this is more even than the line would suggest. So before we actually get into the betting stuff of this and the lines and yeah. who we like, why don't we do this? Because there is a big difference, Paul, between how you bet games in the group stage, as I mentioned, and how you bet games in the knockout phases. So why don't you walk us through maybe like a couple of key points that you look at yeah. as a difference between the two? Everybody has made this mistake. Everyone who's ever bet soccer has made this <laughs> mistake. I've made this mistake. In the knockout stage, by default, at ninety-five percent of books. All your bets are 90-minute bets. And what that means is when regulation ends, so you get the 90 minutes plus your stoppage time. So you're you know, 5, 10, 12 minutes in this tournament. That's the end of your bet. So if you bet draw and it goes to extra time, you win your bet regardless of what happens in extra time. If you bet the Dutch to win and they win in extra time, you lose your bet. Yep. So every bet is 90 minutes. Props are usually 90 minutes. So if you have you know Memphis Depay to score, that's usually a 90-minute bet. Again, you want to know your book. There may be different rules. Um, and if you want to play a team to go to the next round, it's usually called to advance or to qualify, one or the other. So that's a two-way line because obviously only one team advances. If you play the traditional three-way line, then it's 90 minutes only. I've made this mistake. Everyone's made this <laughs> mistake at least once if you've bet soccer. So this is, I say this all the time whenever I'm talking about knockout soccer, but it, it can't be overstated. It's just know what you're betting. Yep. Otherwise, if nothing else, your uh, emotional rooting interests get very confused, not to mention the financial ones. This is why we walk through this. Friends, don't let friends make dumb mistakes when it comes to betting <laughs> the, the knockout stages. And I think all of those things are... Because you're right, it is for, it's not like betting the NFL. It's not like betting... Because like if a game went into, the, into overtime in the NFL, uh, you know, the, the points still... So if you had the over and they hit the over in overtime, that over hits, right? Or the, the, money line, or the money line hits, the spread hits. That's not the way it is at all in this. So make sure you're reading, uh, obviously, the fine print there. But it is like kind of clearly laid out. So why don't we do this in the case of the specifically the U.S.-Netherlands game. Why don't you give us what the lines are and what the differences are there as well? 
Okay, so the U.S. to qualify. So this is too advanced, regardless of how it happens, is currently plus 188. Netherlands is minus 235. Uh, and then if you want to look at the three-way line, that's when if you want the U.S. to win in regulation, you're getting plus 340, uh, the draw plus 220, and the Dutch are minus 110. So that's the difference between the two lines. You look at uh, plus 188 for the U.S. to advance, plus 340 for them to win outright in the 90 minutes. So th those are the kind of discrepancies you usually see. So the 340 looks great because you're thinking, you know, they've got a 25% chance of winning this. That's a good price. But the numbers just all get skewed when you get into these knockout stages and they're, they look a lot higher and, and juicier in good ways than they are. So, so we were talking about this a little bit earlier. I think we, both of us kind of like the U.S. here, yeah. uh, probably on either one to advance or the, the money line. Do you think that there's more value in one or the other? I mean, I feel like there's always more, almost always in these knockout games, there's almost always more value in the money line to do it in regulation. Um, you know, you've got a low scoring game. It makes it a little tougher sometimes to kind of mentally talk yourself into it or how much is the U.S. going to go for it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you can get plus 340 on them to win. I think that's, that's, that's pretty tempting. Um, and my question is, you know, the U.S. has kind of run out of gas in the last 10 or 15 minutes against really almost all their group games. Might be better to bet them in the 90 minutes. You know, are they going to throw everything against the wall to try to hang on or steal a goal or something like that? I think they might rather than take it another 30 minutes where they're going to be stretched a little bit thinner against a team, you know, you think probably has a little more depth than you do. How do you see this game kind of playing out? Because in my head, you know, if we're, if we're talking like lineups and strategy again, like it looks like Josh Sargent, you know, he was walking around. I think yeah, there was like a, a video of him playing, playing pool or something. Uh, so he's clearly like, I don't think like it's not a serious injury, but I don't know. His availability seems like it's in doubt for the game. So then there's the question of, OK, who's playing up front? I can't imagine Hashi Wright is going to be your starter after the performance we saw against uh, against Iran. But I don't think so. Does this mean that it's a Ferreira game? I mean, we've talked about it multiple times, like. I, I think in this, like for me, in this game, like I feel like you're going to be sitting probably back more. You're probably going to be defending more than you have really in any game, even concluding the England game, because I think we were on the front foot a lot in that game. Yep. I think the Dutch want to have the ball, um, and I'm I'm kind of okay sitting back against them because I'm just not that scared of some of their attacking players. Even though I mentioned Cody Gakpo has three goals tied for you know the Golden Boot right now, but he's still young and he's not like a true out and out striker. So. I would I I think you have to play Tim Weah. I think I, I don't I think he's almost undroppable at this point. Like I, we were talking last time about like oh do you bring in Brendan Aronson or do you bring in Geo? Maybe, but I, I kind of think Weah the way he's played. I mean he probably yeah. I mean we didn't get to see a great see, uh, uh, view of that offsides call, but he could have very easily had a second goal and a fantastic finish again. So I think he's kind of undroppable. So if you're assuming Pulisic is out on the left, he's out on the right. To me that means that it's probably a Ferrer game. I, I don't know. That's the only thing I could think of. I think so. I mean I'm kind of assuming you can't start Sergeant. I mean if he's still recovering from an ankle injury i don't feel like you can risk that uh if he's okay if he's okay you can put him in in the 70th 80th minute uh so you can go 10 or 15 or 40 minutes if you get to extra time so it kind of feels like ferreira to me that's also pretty wild if you're going to throw him in for his first world cup game in the knockout <laughs> round against the yeah. dutch good luck kid um, yeah but it seems like he's the best fit uh yeah the u.s is gonna get they're gonna get pressed like i mentioned they're also going to press like these two teams have had some the highest number of possessions they've regained in the attacking third, meaning you know they're pressing the other defenders in, in the back of the midfield to try to get the ball back. Uh, so they're at the top of the list in the tournament. So I don't, I don't know. I kind of feel like this game might open up earlier than some of the other games because of that. You know, one little mistake, one turnover, something along those lines. It's still really hard to imagine this going crazy just given how the U.S. has approached all three games. They've been very buttoned up at the back and haven't conceded uh, many good chances at all. But I, I think the potential is there. It's just kind of a question of, 
you know, will it happen right away in the first half? Will it wait, wait until later when one team has to push for a goal or decides to push for a goal? I'm not sure. I, I just feel like there's a lot of there's a lot of possibilities for more goals to happen than we've seen out of US games so far. Yeah, the, the way things have sort of played out, you know, I could very easily see like a US first half goal and a Dutch second half goal. Um, yeah. The stats for the Dutch don't really pan that out. They've I think they've scored pretty much even first half, second half. Um, but they did score two late goals against Senegal in the first game. Like they they have sort of like grinded out wins. So yeah. I, I could kind of see that happening. Um, I I think both I think both teams score. Like I don't I I think I you know I, I kind yeah, of lean kind of, towards yeah. the over two and a half, which is I mean if you're taking the over, that's plus one thirty two. I don't love it, but I do like it. Uh, I think there will be goals in this game for both sides. Yeah, I think either way, you know, one team is going to score and it. From what we've seen from both of them, if they get a goal, they're going to back up. You know, Dutch scored in the sixth minute against Ecuador and decided, you know, we're going to shoot once the rest of the game. So we've seen that out of them. So, yeah, it does kind of feel that way to me. One team gets one and then the momentum or the field tilt goes all the way to the other side. So, yeah, both teams will score maybe. I kind of like the draw uh, one way or the other. I, I kind of like the draw in the first half, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it gets you the one-one. It's basically, you know, do you want to play under half a goal? Or do you want to take the draw and get you the one-one uh, instead? So that's that's pretty close. But you can get first half draw like minus one ten, kind of like that. Uh, doesn't feel like it's going to be super high scoring, which kind of contradicts what I just said. But I do think both teams are going to have chances. I guess it's, it just may not be wide open. It might be one team gets one, and then they're on the back foot most of the rest of the game. Yeah. So what's your? I mean, I guess I'll take your I'll take your your betting pick, and then what's your just your heart pick in this game? I mean. I kind of like the U.S. double chance price at minus 125. That gets you the win and the draw in 90 minutes. Uh, if you want to pair that with under two and a half goals, that you'll get your price around plus 150. You know, it's hard to, I guess maybe a 2-1 game one way or the other comes out of here, but it's, that's kind of tough for me to see just given how both teams uh, have relatively buttoned up defense, defensively, especially after scoring. So that, that's kind of the way I'm leaning right now. Give me a double chance for the U.S., give me under two and a half, and that gets to plus 150. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. So U.S. in the draw, and let me put in the U.S. in the draw, and then um, under three and a half, because again, I don't think it's going to be like a barn burner type score. That's mm-hmm. plus 114. So you're still getting yeah. plus money for under plus three and a half. I do, I, again, that, it sounds, that sounds like a U.S. supporter's bet to make. Like, right? Like, you're, it, it does. you, got, you yeah. got skin in the game. Like, you can like, still get the draw. This is how we want the game to play out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 100%. 100%. I was, I was kind of thinking, like, do I, do I like the more goals in the second half than the first half? It's kind of like against what you had said, but like, so even if you get an early goal, you're going to have another team chasing maybe in the second half and it can get a little bit more wide open. Or if it is a nil-nil draw at half, like chances are somebody probably gets the, the winner there. That's, I think, plus 105. I don't hate that. Again, I, th- we're mm-hmm. doing this, we're, you know, this is, we're, we're, what, two days out of, of this. So, you know, I haven't fully placed all, you know, bets yet. But I, I do, I think these are all like interesting sort of talking points. I kind of like the double chance. I'm always a big fan of the double chances, especially, you know, because you're, you're just taking teams that are, we've seen so many underdogs either right. draw or get these unexpected results that it probably is in your best interest. If you like a team, just take the double chance. There's a good chance you're going to get one of the two. Right. So, yeah. All right. So fingers crossed. I think they, I think, you know, I think we have, you, you mentioned like a 25% chance of winning this. I think that's totally fair. So mm-hmm. if you want to take plus 340 on, you yeah. know, the, the three-way bet, I think yeah. I, I, I would endorse that. I think that's a good bet. Can almost never, I mean, this is a general philosophy, I think, for these tournaments is like the underdogs usually are going to give you more value. Just because, I mean, you see this in whatever the Champions League final a couple of years ago with Chelsea Man City. Chelsea was like plus three something to win that game in ninety minutes, and it obviously worked out that they did. But it's just that you know the gap just shouldn't be that small to me. So whether it's uh, the U.S. getting that 
Uh, and the same goes, I think, for the advanced price. You know, if the U.S. is like plus 190, there's a couple other really nice prices to advance and some other games that we'll get to. Uh, just kind of tend to lean toward the underdogs when one team is not clearly better than the others. Like Argentina, Australia is different because the gap there is so big. Uh, for something like Netherlands, U.S. or maybe England, Senegal, those gaps aren't quite as big, which generally gives you much more value on the underdog. All right, so let's move on. Speaking of Argentina, Australia, let's get to that. We're going to get to the rest of the uh, the knockout matches, at least the ones that we have on the books right now. So Argentina, Australia. I said this like at the beginning of the pod. I thought Australia were one of the worst teams in the tournament. I don't know that I was wrong about that, but congrats, you guys made it through the group stage, uh, and I'm I'm pumped for you. But I think this is one this is one of probably the most of two really really lopsided matchups that we have in in the round of sixteen. Um, you had mentioned some of the stats before. This is from XG Philosophy. Australia have qualified for the knockout stage despite conceding the most XG of any team so far in the tournament at nearly six goals. They're also under, I think, 0.7 in every single game of goals scored. Yep. Like they are, yes, they are scoring goals, but it's a little, like it's a little bit smoke and mirrors. This is not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to Australia, but it, like it is a little bit smoke and mirrors so far. So my bets here, you know, I, I kind of lean towards, I, you get burned when you try to take like a, a team to win to nil, but I really do think like, at some point, the luck has to run out for Australia scoring goals, right? And I know yeah. that Argentina isn't like this stout defensive team, although they kind of were in qualifying. They haven't necessarily been. I mean, mm-hmm. back-to-back shutouts against Poland no, and, and Mexico. Yeah. So I, I do like that bet. That's an even money bet. So like, I mean, obviously in the money line of, of Argentina, there really isn't a ton of value there. Um, so I think if you, to win one nil, two nil, or three nil to get even money on Argentina, I think that's probably the way you have to go if you want to bet them. Yeah, I haven't nailed down exactly how I'm going to play this, but it's something like that. I, I, Australia's just not very dangerous. Of course, they could score a goal. They have scored some goals, but uh, they're not that good. And Argentina, I think, is fine. They've just haven't had the ball always bounced away in the tournament. So yeah, whether it's the 1-0, 2-0, 3-0-1, or just win to nil, or you know, Argentina scoring at least two goals, I think it's going to work out. Australia's going to try and muck it up. I just think Argentina is good enough that Messi or you know one of half a dozen other players is going to find a goal. And once that happens, that second one will come a little bit more easily. So one way or the other, one one way or the other, I like Argentina in this one. Yeah, I don't know how you back Australia here. Like, I don't even Not plus two. Either. I don't. I don't like them. I really. I just. I don't really like them in any scenario. The only thing I could say is, if you think it's going to be close, like maybe the under two and a half at plus money, um, yeah. plus one twelve is interesting because you know you can still get you an Argentina two 0 win, and I think that's that's very easily could happen. Um, if if you think the game's going to be close, but I I don't see any yeah. way where like you're going to back Australia and be happy about that. Yeah, I mean, look, they're plus eleven hundred on the money line, plus twelve twenty to advance. I mean. Sure, you could talk me into throwing a couple bucks on that. When the odds are that ridiculous, you know, you, you can't really argue that this happens one out of 10, 12, 15 times, whatever it might be. But I wouldn't feel good about it and wouldn't put much, if anything, on it. Mm-hmm. One thing before we bounce, too, I, I, we haven't really dabbled into like anytime goal scorers, but mm-hmm. what I do like here is Julian Alvarez, anytime goal scorer at plus 140. He yeah. scored last game against Poland. He seems to be kind of the favored guy in that front three with Messi and Di Maria. I think even just like watching, he is the guy. Uh, obviously, a Man City player, he's kind of the backup to Erling Holland, which is unfortunate because I think he is one of the best strikers in the world. Like I think he's that good as as like a young guy, and he seems to be have some good chemistry. Like the, in past Argentina teams, other attacking players haven't had that chemistry with Messi. Everyone kind of thought maybe it would be Lautaro Martinez this time around. It's kind of been more Julian Alvarez. So. I kind of, I'm, I, you know, plus 140 for him to score. I, right. I, I do think that's good if there's going to be a couple goals in this game. Yeah, assuming he starts. I like that. That's mm-hmm. always Yeah, the, wait, wait, wait till you, you see gotta the lineup, roll the dice. Think. Yeah, wait till yeah. the hour before you see who's in the 11. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. All right, let's move on. France, Poland. I mentioned Argentina, Australia being uh, a lopsided one. I think this is probably the, the other most lopsided one of all the games yeah. that we have so far. 
Uh, I have zero faith in Poland, Paul. I think nope. they, I, you know, they just did, other than Wojciech Szczesny just absolutely standing on his head and preventing, you know, an absolute massacre against Argentina, that, you know, that's how they end up moving through. You know, Lewandowski's been isolated. He did score the one goal uh, two games ago, but it was kind of a fluke, as we mentioned last pod. I, you know, I, I think I think France is kind of like scary France again, even though they're coming off the loss to Tunisia. Do you have a lean here? Um, I mean, it's obviously not Poland. I and mean, they've been outshot <laughs> 50 to 19 in the tournament in three That's games. That's what you want. Yep, there you go. No, they've given up over six expected goals, second most in the tournament so far. So yeah, this is a figure out, kind of like Argentina, Australia. It's figure out what the best way uh, to bet France on this is. Uh, I mean, again, the win to nil is tempting. Uh, you know, I don't know if I would go there just because France might fall asleep a little bit like they did against mm-hmm. Australia. Um, I'm not playing at like plus 1200 to uh, for France to advance. That's a very high price. But yeah, I figure out some way of like maybe a, a France win and at least two goals for France or something like that can get you close to even money. That's the way I'd be looking. Minus France minus two, which means they have to win by three or more is plus 230. I don't hate that. You know, but I don't hate because yeah. even if even if Poland does, you know, nip a goal, you know, I, I, this is going to be the, the France starters are going to be back out there. They're going to be fresh. They're going to be motivated. Uh, I I think that's probably the way I would play it over because because to win one nil two nil or three nil, uh, is only plus one ten. I I I'd, I'd rather just like have the bigger price at plus two thirty for them to win by three or more. The other thing that's interesting, if you do want to just straight take France money line, you could throw Mbappe to score in there, and that's plus one eighteen. Mbappe leader in uh, in the Golden Boot as well. This is a slow Poland back line. I yeah. can see him getting in behind on those guys, so I don't hate that. Again, I don't love like tying you know, wins to goal scorers. But if you're going to do it, that's probably the scenario to do it because Mbappe is, again, maybe the best striker in the world. Yeah, I, I, something along these lines is where I'm going to land. It's going to be like a France win and over three goals for the game or something like that. Something to get around to even money. Yeah. Uh, all right, so we're on the same page there. Let's move on to England-Senegal. This, I think, is a sneaky closer game than people I might think it is. Uh, Senegal, impressive as hell, man. Like, they they obviously get the... the They go up 1-0 against Ecuador. They they give up a goal and immediately score again. Uh, they're a resilient group without their best player. And they're playing... You know, they obviously got that Mendian goal and, and Koulibaly. Both guys play for Chelsea. So there, there are some familiar, familiarity there with some of the English players. Um, and we talked about the Ewing Theory thing with this team. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is the biggest upset alert of all, like, the major... Yep. Favorites. I'm not saying yep. they're going to do it, but I'm. I'm a. I think it's okay to sprinkle a little bit on the uh, on the Senegal money line here. Uh, money line. I liked it. Th- plus three sixty price to qualify for Senegal. So you're telling me. I mean, I, you need one out of four times for them to advance over England to make that a worthwhile bet. I think that's definitely worth it. Uh, the defense has been good. You know, only three teams I think have allowed fewer expected goals among the ones that have played three games so far. So the de- defense has been fine. Uh, and it's again, it's kind of a knock against England a little bit, just that. I don't have the confidence that England is going to come out and blow the doors off them. I mean, their knockout games tend to be tight. We've seen how Southgate likes to play. Uh, is he going to put, you know, Rashford and Grealish on the field from the start since they've looked so good off the bench and against Wales? Foden, I don't know. Well, Rashford and Foden, Foden, right? Foden, yeah. sorry. Yeah. Yes, thank you. And Grealish a little bit too. Yeah. I mean, he comes in, uh, gets fouled a hundred times and, and puts England in some good spots to do something offensively. So yeah, he's those... I just I don't trust England, I guess, as much as anything. And I think Senegal is a solid team. So yeah, plus three sixty for Senegal to advance, I like quite a bit. I was texting my my friend group and I was like, it's good to see Southgate playing his two best, I think, wide players in Foden and Rashford. Like I think those yeah. are the two most dangerous players. Obviously, they score three of On the goals. Opposite sides team. too. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just, you know, I, nothing against Raheem Sterling. I just I don't understand why we keep trotting Raheem Sterling out there. They have better players than Raheem Sterling. And I, I'm not, Saka has I think he's a, a very, very good player, but you know, 
I, I just like, I think Foden is their best attacker, like a wide attacker. Or if you're mm-hmm. talking about like attacking midfield or wide player, like I just think he's so dynamic. I don't know why he, you know, he, that, that, that he gets his first start there. Maybe this changed everything. Maybe they, they get inserted into the starting lineup. Um, but the question for me is like, do we see the Iran-Wales-England or do we see the U.S.-England? I don't think we know the answer to that. Um, yeah. but, I, but I do know that I'm, I am scared of Senegal and I think this is a resilient team. Now, the thing is, they're going to be without um, like Idrissa Ganagay who plays for Everton. Uh, he is a, I, I watch him a lot. He's a fantastic player. He's a, just a straight, up, straight up ball winner in the midfield. He is a monster, monster ball winner in the midfield. He's like basically N'Golo Conte light. Uh, mm-hmm. And without him, that is scary with, you know, Declan Rice and, and Jude Bellingham in the running the midfield for, for England. But this is a team that like, we are, where are the goals can come from. Well, they found some goals. They have found some mm-hmm. goals uh, from, from a few different players. So I, I kind of like both teams to score plus 140 or even the over plus, uh, which is two and a half, which is plus 132. Yeah, I think if I remember, Senegal hasn't had a shutout at the World Cup since that very first game against France in 02. Um, and I know those games are not very relevant, but it speaks to you know how they played this tournament, at least. They've given up a goal in every game. So yeah, both teams to score makes a lot of sense because... Whichever team nips one, I think the other team will have plenty of firepower and chances to get another one. Yep, agree there. So, all right, so we've officially put England on upset alert. That's our number one upset yeah. alert here for for yep. for the knockout game so far. Let's get into another one here. A, a matchup that I don't think we 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 didn't think coming in the tournament was going to happen. We certainly didn't think Japan was going to win the group with Germany Ooh. and Spain in it. But here we are, and we get a Japan winner versus the runner-up Croatia. We'll get to Morocco, who won a group in just a second. This is a fast. I love this matchup, Paul. I absolutely love this matchup because the Japanese team is so. Resilient resilient, so fun to watch. They are just annoying as hell to play. And this is a Croatian team that gave up a ton of chances to Belgium. I don't think they've looked great, uh, even though they did move on. We talked about age with the Belgian team. I mean, there are some age issues as, as well with the Croatian team. Um, I I don't really have a lean here on like a winner, but what I do like, I think both teams score. I think it's one, uh, what is it, minus 112. I think both teams score in this game. Yeah, I like, I mean, Japan has looked so good after halftime against both Germany and Spain. They make some adjustments. It seems like their philosophy is very much, let's get to halftime and keep it close, you know, tied down by one, whatever it is, and then you know, throw on a couple speedsters, maybe shift your defensive formation to get some wingbacks going. And that's when the attack kind of shows up. So I, I was trying to look like, I was thinking maybe like ha- second half to have more goals, although that's only plus 120. Uh which doesn't seem like eh, that's not terrible. So I might look at something like yeah. that where the second half has more goals. You know, you can, there's something like Japan uh, over half a goal in the second half or something along those lines. I just think, I feel like both teams um, will probably keep it a little bit tight. Although we did see, you know, Croatia came out in the first 10 minutes against Belgium today and really took it to them and just got everything but the goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think that second half will open up in this one, one way or the other. So yeah, more goals second half at plus 120, something I'm looking at. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I, do you have a, I mean, even if you're not betting the game, do you have a lean on a, on a winner here and who advances? I mean, I would lean Croatia just because they've been here. That midfield is so good. Uh, the back line is, is solid and younger. You know, it's not an, an old back line. They just, they don't have the forward. I mean, neither team really does have the, the Mandzukic type or the, uh, I forgot the Japanese striker who was there the last couple of tournaments uh, for them as well. They just don't have that guy. So I would lean Croatia just because the experience and such. But I think this one, this is another one where it feels like if you're just going to pick something like Japan to qualify plus 150 or so, I I would like a little bit better price on that. But it's, you know, if I kind of shrug my shoulders and say, yeah, they got a pretty good shot, I might look that way. Are you talking, uh, what is it, uh, Okazaki? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Shinjo Okazaki. Yes, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Very good player, exactly. But uh, 
not not quite in the squad. They they actually do bring some good players off the bench. I mean, like the, mm-hmm. Tomiyasu is a guy who plays for Arsenal. Doe's um, got a couple goals. Yeah. yeah, it's it's it is a it is kind of a Kobu's. A, a, they're they're a talented team of and again yeah. a hardworking tough team. I think I really do like the both teams to score here, or, you know, roughly around even money. But I, mm-hmm. I don't have a strong lean. I guess I'm with you. Like, all right, sure, I'll go Croatia because I just like maybe trust them a little bit more, but. I don't know. They were kind of wide open at the back, and I, I think they're, they there's they're, they're, they'll give up goals. I think they'll also score goals, but they'll, they'll give up goals. And I, don't, I just don't know that I want to doubt this Japan team, especially against like a, a good opponent. Like, all right, say so they right. lose to Croatia, but they beat Japan. I'm sorry, they beat uh, Spain and, and Germany. So like, it's not like they're afraid of like knocking off the big dog. So I don't know. I'll probably stay away from that, but I'll probably bet the, yeah. uh, the both teams yeah, to score. Makes sense. All right, other side here in uh, what is another surprising one? I guess I. I'm not surprising that Spain finished runner-up in their group, uh, but I guess runner-up to Japan would be the surprising part. But Morocco winning the group and knocking, obviously, Belgium out. This Morocco team, I didn't think they'd win the group, but I I like them a lot. They've obviously got a couple of big names. Hakimi is a fantastic player. Um, Obviously, plays for PSG at right back. Just like lightning pace. Hakim Ziyech has been fantastic. Well... He hasn't really played a ton at Chelsea, but he's a fantastic player. Uh, Maserawi left back. Like they have some dudes in this team, yeah. and they they're pretty sound defensively. Canada gifted them a couple of goals today, they but did. Uh, did. but you know I, I still think I, I have a lot of faith in this Morocco squad. This is another thing. Like what Spain shows up, and I don't know that I really am willing to throw my hard-earned money on Spain right now until I see something else change. So again, this might be a stay away from me, just because I have futures on Spain. Uh, to win it all. So I'm I'm just going to probably let that ride out or at least see something else before I bet them individual games. But what about you? I like both teams to score in this one, and it's a good price at plus 122 right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Spain gave up, obviously, two to Japan. They gave up one to Germany. They didn't give anything up to Costa Rica, but I feel like you can just throw that game out the window. Uh, and Morocco's defense has been pretty solid. But, you know, they still gave chances to Belgium, chances to Canada. Uh, That Croatia game was kind of a a throwaway early where they both just kind of kicked it around most of the time. So I just feel we've talked about the Spain defense is not a lock it down type of defense. So Morocco steals one somewhere and the Spain attack is still the Spain attack that we're so familiar with. And they have so many different options that even against a decent Morocco defense, I think somebody finds a way. So I like both teams to score, uh, especially at plus 122 right now. I do like that. The over uh, two and a half is plus 118 too. Like, I think I think Spain could explode for goals. Like, I don't know. Like, mm-hmm. they're that talented. So you never know. Like, if they score a couple goals, they, sc- they could score three on the, on their own. So yep. that could get you the over there. Although Morocco, you know, isn't, isn't terrible defensively. They are a solid defensive team. So, I mean, you know, if you're... Both teams to score with the over two and a half. I think, again, this is one of those games where there will be goals uh, for, for sure. I want to ask you this before we move on, because I had said this, uh, I think, on Twitter, and I had a few people agree, disagree. I do like this route for Spain better, though. Like, I do yeah. think finishing runner-up, mm-hmm. playing Morocco versus playing Croatia, and then mm-hmm. potentially uh, playing Brazil. Portugal versus Brazil. Yeah, right, right. Like, I, I, I think this is the way that Spain gets to the final. And then, obviously, one of probably France and England knock one of the other off, and... I, I like that route better than mm-hmm. them potentially having to go through Brazil and then going through uh, going through maybe Argentina. Yeah, I agree. You're, you're Mar- we'll just call it a Morocco, Portugal, France slash England route is, I think, much more appealing than a Croatia, Brazil, Argentina route. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know if that was in Spain's head too late in the game. <laughs> but saying you know if because if they would have scored and to tie Japan, Spain wins the group and goes the opposite side of the bracket. I don't I don't know if we give them that much credit for the four dimensional chess. I don't sense. think so. Yeah, I don't think so. As much as you know, it, it, you're right on paper. Yeah, it makes sense. But I don't know. That's that's some four D chess. But I do right think there. I do think it opens up better for them to be on this half of the bracket. Yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit more when we talk about some of the futures coming up um, as well. And just quickly before, obviously, there's a couple of matchups. We're, we're recording this on a Thursday. There are still four games left on Friday. 
Uh, Brazil's through and Portugal are through. So Brazil is either going to play likely Uruguay, Ghana, or South Korea, and Portugal will play Switzerland or Serbia. I mean, I, there's really not much we could say until we know what the matchups are. Uh, what I will say is I think, you know, Uruguay, if they end up getting through, that's an interesting matchup with Brazil. They've certainly, oh, yeah. they're certainly familiar with them. Oh, yeah. Um, I, obviously, I don't, we don't know any of the numbers yet. I haven't seen any of the lines out yet, the pre-lines out from a matchup that doesn't exist yet. But something to look at, just saying. It's that weirder things have happened. And also, if you're looking at Portugal, right. if Serbia gets through, I, Serbia has beaten them. <laughs> they certainly beat them in their uh, in their qualifying group. They're, what was it, one draw and one win. So again, two yeah. teams that aren't afraid of what is a bigger kind of fish in, in the right. waters there. So yeah. I don't know. I'm not saying, I'm just saying. No, I think anyone Portugal gets. Switzerland, Cameroon, Serbia. I think that Portugal will be on upset alert for any of those uh, possibilities there, which, you know, in theory could open the bracket more for Spain. Uh, but yeah, that, that that group especially, and both these last two groups, I feel are wide open for that number two spot. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's do this. Let's get to the title futures that we were just alluding to then. We'll incorporate yeah. some of the Brazils and the Portugals. I'll read off the, uh, the favorites right now, and like we'll just kind of talk about who we like, some line movement as well. Brazil is the favorite. Um, they're down to plus 200. Oof. I don't don't know that I love that nope. <laughs> um, without nope. Neymar. Uh, Argentina plus four ninety right now on Fanduel, so you know worse odds than I guess at the start of the tournament. Uh, France plus five hundred, Spain plus five fifty, England plus nine fifty, Portugal plus twelve hundred, the Netherlands plus nineteen hundred, Croatia plus thirty two hundred, Uruguay still in there plus seventy five hundred. Uh, Japan's in there plus 7,500. I'll say the U.S. as well. Where's the at US? Plus 9,000. Plus 9,000. Right, um, I, I do think there is an issue. Hey, potentially, you know, them advancing. Like, you look at that. I mean, I don't think they're going to beat Argentina, but you never know if you want to have them make a potential semifinal. Mm-hmm. Um, but out of those ones that I named or any other ones, is there anything kind of stand out to you? Are you, like, adjusting your positions on anything you had or taking any new bets for futures? No, I mean, most of these haven't changed that much. I think Brazil is, like, plus 300 before the tournament. So the fact that they've dropped so much... I'm not sure if that means there's really good value before or there's really bad value now. Uh, but I do think, I mean, Argentina was plus 500, plus 550 before the tournament. And now they're only plus 490. And we know they have a relatively easy draw. This, look, it's not a cakewalk, of course, but yeah. it's as good a draw as you can reasonably expect uh, until you get to Brazil in the semifinals, which we already do might happen. So the fact that it's still around plus 500 to me, that's... I think that's kind of appealing because I think they have the closest thing you can get to a buy in the round of 16. And then, you know, it's not easy after that, but you're in the World Cup quarterfinals. What do you expect? Yeah, even if you want to like buy low on Spain, you can't buy low because, you know, I, they were, right. I think, plus 700, plus 750 before the tournament. Now, even though they looked kind of terrible in two games uh, after the 7 0 win, they're only plus 550. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see a ton there. I mean, and what were England before the tournament? Do we remember? Because they're at plus uh, 950. right around there. I think, I think they were 800 maybe. Yeah, so I guess a little bit there, but again, you, they got to go through France. They're probably going to have to go right. through Spain or Portugal. Like, it's not certainly not an easy route for them. I, I, I wouldn't peg them to do that. Like, maybe Portugal, twelve hundred. I don't love Portugal, but like, yeah. it is a decent number, I guess. If you have a, t- you're looking. Hey, this is a really talented team, and I think they could potentially get to a final. Yeah, I mean, if you want to get weird, Morocco plus nine thousand. <laughs> uh, look, they have great support. You know, obviously the proximity. It's a little bit easier to get there than some of the other countries. Uh, you know, we've talked. Spain is vulnerable still think they're good and maybe the second third best team that's left but they're vulnerable and then morocco would get by spain they'd have presumably portugal or whoever the runner-up is from the other group i don't hate it i mean again it's 90 to 1 i feel like you can justify just about anything at that price but if i'm looking at one of those super long shots that's probably where i would land yeah it's one of those things where like you know they keep advancing and then you could kind of hedge and you'll at least somehow turn a profit there uh 
I, I like this Moroccan team, man. Like, I think they're they're fun. They're a fun team, and mm-hmm. I'm 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 glad they got out of the group for sure. Uh, let's spend a minute on Canada. Actually, speaking of that group, uh, I, I I will just say, um, I I don't dislike this Canadian team, but I really no. did. I really we didn't really talk about this last time. I really did dislike their manager saying like the f Croatia thing. I just <laughs> thought that was lame. You guys haven't done anything. Yeah, you, you, it's, it's your first World Cup in like a couple decades. Like, calm down. Yeah. And they exited the group with zero points. And like, I think their future's bright. Like, congrats to them. But uh-huh. you know, a pretty pretty bad showing for a team that we you know there were some ex- expectation for them to do well. Uh- yeah, I think it's kind of a cliche, but there's just a lot of naivete about being in a big tournament like this, uh, especially in that second game after they got the goal against Croatia. Like, I, I just don't understand why the pragmatism didn't take over. And because mm-hmm. what they did so well in qualifying, especially against the U.S. and Mexico, and they didn't have the ball, was defend and counter. It wasn't quite bunkering, but defend and counter. And they tried to play a little different a lot of the time. And I think there's something to that. You know, they had tons of chances early against Belgium. They got the goal early against Croatia. Uh, that's good. But they just didn't have that practicality that we saw the U.S. have, for example, uh, in most of their games. Sometimes that practicality puts you on edge kind of the other way where you just think you're back on your heel so much, like the U.S. has been at times. But I think there was just some, yeah, naivete of not having been through these tournaments, not having been in these spots where you were not... Uh, where you're clearly maybe not the best team or not going to have the ball uh, in different ways than you do in CONCACAF. Speaking of CONCACAF, we get we have to just spend at least a minute on our on our brethren to the south, the Mexican Man, national team, who get bounced for the first time in, what, seven tournaments. Tata yeah. Martina, their manager, out. Um, bad look for them. I was I was arguing yeah. with my buddies, actually, about this, about which group, or, which group was harder. Uh, like, was it harder for the U.S. to get out of their group or was it harder for Mexico to get out of their group? I actually, I actually think it was easier for Mexico to get out of their group than it was for the U.S., only because... I know Saudi Arabia beat Argentina, but yeah. so, I, Iran is better than Saudi Arabia. They yes. are a good team. So there's no right. easy matchup for the U.S., whereas there is kind of an easy matchup for Mexico. And can you just handle your own against Poland and Argentina? And they didn't. So I know it's close, but I still think this is a bad look for them. Not gonna, Even though they, this is like one of the worst Mexican teams we've seen in a right. while, the vibes the, were, were completely off. This, I, Them not getting out of this, they, they should, to me, they should have gotten out of the, out of the group. Yeah, I and mean, they were a coin flip basically with Poland to get out from the odds beforehand and and the scary thing is they're not young like they had almost nobody it was like three guys under 25 or something on the team and i'm not sure any of them played i mean that's not that's not where you want to be when you're hosting a world cup in four years you're not going to be able to you know train these guys in the competitive fires of Concacaf in the same way uh but yeah they've got a they've got a bit of a mess on their hands they got to find the coach they got to find someone just to to get that ship sail in the right direction in the next four years yeah i guess guess good news is that you're right they don't have to worry about I, I guess right. I, maybe, they don't have to worry about qualification, but you yeah, know, maybe that's good. <laughs> would they have been in jeopardy? I mean, four years is a long time, but yeah. but we shall we shall see. We expect the U.S., Mexico, and Canada to go in as as host nations, and we'll see kind of how the rest of Concacaf shakes out there. Um, all right, before we go, let's get to our best bets as we always do. Paul, you and I are both three and five. Now we do have one lingering bet, which is going to be Friday tomorrow as we're recording this on a Thursday. We both have the under two and a half in Switzerland Serbia. We think that's going to be kind of a low scoring Switzerland probably grinded out game. Uh, so, so that's still kind of on the table, but both of us are three and five, although we both hit on plus money bets. So units wise, we're, we're roughly even like I hit my, my, uh, my England minus one bet last week, which got yeah. me back. So, so we're doing about fine here. Um, so let's give, we're going to get, I know there aren't as many games, so this gets a little bit harder to give three like best bets, but we're going to keep giving three until, I don't know, maybe until like the semifinals, we'll, we'll give it to two or something like that. Just so we're not picking like obscure things, but give us your first best bet, uh, of, uh, of, um, the knockout round. Okay, I'm going back to England and Senegal. I'm going to take Senegal to advance. So this is Whoa. just to, to get through. I mean, it's a big price at plus 360. But like I said, I just think that 
price is out of whack. Senegal can beat England one out of four times. England may run that run all over them and put up two or three goals and it won't be close. But I think enough time Senegal gets through to make this one worth it. I'm going, you know, I'll I'll follow you on this with another somewhat big plus money bet. I'm gonna take France minus two against Poland, plus mm-hmm. two thirty. I I just think Poland's bad. I think they're bad. I think they I think their back line is slow. I think that's gonna be terrifying against a France team that is rested and motivated. Uh, so if I, you know, three nil, four one, I could very easily see what happened to Australia happened to Poland. Um, so, you know, again, it's a, it's a little bit of a long shot at plus 230, but I do like that value there. So give me that. Yeah. So I'm going to go let's see. We mentioned Morocco and Spain. Both teams to score here plus 122. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. This is not a lock it down Spain team. If they get a goal or if they don't have a goal yet, uh, they're going to give opportunities. Morocco will, should be pretty comfortable letting Spain have a lot of the ball and trying to hit them uh, with their pace on the counter. So I think both teams get a goal here. Uh, I think you mentioned over two and a half, which I don't mind either, but plus 122 for both teams to score in Morocco and Spain is my play. Yeah. You know what? Just because the the both teams to score is better value. I'll, I'll tell you on that one because I was kind of going between the two uh, and you're getting a couple extra points there. So both teams to score, Morocco, Spain, 100% with you there. That's my second one. So we're on the same page. I'll give my, I'll, I'll go next and then I'll, I'll let you, uh, you close it out. I'm going to take another both teams to score. I think Japan, Croatia, both teams to score minus 112. I just, I think, I think Japan gets a goal and I think Croatia's talented enough to get a goal. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know who wins this game. I don't know who advances, but I definitely think there's goals in, in both of these sides. And uh, so both teams to score, Japan, Croatia. All right, I'm going to finish it with Argentina, Australia. Uh, I have a little trouble deciding exactly how I'm going to play this one, but it's going to be Argentina to run away with it. So I'm looking at FanDuel, and I can get Argentina minus two, so essentially win by three at plus 160. I think that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Obviously, three is a lot, but I mean, if Argentina gets one, at some point, Australia has to try something, right? Floodgates like open, that, yeah. Yeah, at some, at some point. Uh, it just feels like they could run away with it. I don't think Australia can hold off hold out. You know, we saw after they got that goal against France, they did not hold up very well or very long. So I think it could look a lot like that game. Uh, and I'll do Argentina minus two at plus 160. Love that. I think that's a great bet. Um, you know, sorry to, again, I, I keep, we keep, we keep knocking our, our Australian friends. It's nothing against Australia. No. We, <laughs> you, you, your own fan base has admitted that your team is not that good, but keep trying to got, prove us wrong. You we're, got we're, here. We're happy to be wrong. Yeah, exactly. hundred percent. So, uh, all right, that'll do it. I guess I, why don't we do that? Just give us a score prediction for for uh, the U.S. game. Just give us a score prediction, like nothing tied to this. Um, one one in regulation, and then big shrug emoji after that. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to kind of follow the same. I think both. I, I I do like both teams to score. I think it could be a two one Netherlands. I think it could be a one one extra time situation. I will say, man, my again, this is one of those like heads uh, head says two one Netherlands, yeah. heart says two one U.S. <laughs> I right. guess that's that's where we're at. So that's that kind of game. It's, it, it tells you kind of how we handicap this and what we think. It happened. It could happen as it's, it's that close to kind of go either way. Yeah. All right. Well, that'll do it. Well, we will be back on w- either Wednesday or Thursday of next week. So there's like a two day low, I think, between games, which I think is the seventh or the eighth. We'll be back, hopefully previewing Argentina US in oh, a quarterfinal. Man. But either way, we'll be, we'll be back to preview the quarterfinals, which should be fantastic. Thanks again to Paul Carr, as always. Uh, and thanks to Mike Wargon for producing this podcast. Good luck to the US and uh, everybody. Good luck on your bets. And we'll catch you next week. Later, guys.